0: What's up, Heretics? It's the Religion of Speed podcast, the show with the ever-changing uh, tagline. I am Matt Overstreet. And I am Chris Huffman. I'm just going to do a different tagline after each intro. Okay. Since I can't remember off the top of my head the official one. Right. I'm just going to keep changing it up. Yeah, until one sticks in your head. Yeah, exactly. Until yeah. one really sticks hard. Yeah. So we're going to go through a lot of different iterations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Chris, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I kind of figured, like, I kind of thought now that we're going into winter, like, the news cycle would die down a little bit and we'd have to start coming up with new things to talk about, you know, different topics that we just enjoy. Yeah. Uh, But no, just a news cycle just keeps on hitting hard. Hey, I mean, cars have to drive in the snow too, so. Very true. (laughs) This never stops. Um, We got a lot to talk about, so I'm going to brush over a couple things real quick uh first off i want to thank grassroots motorsports for bringing out their uh ultimate track tire guide they do this every year it just got updated with some new tire stuff uh if you want to know anything we're always talking on this podcast about 200 treadwear tires yeah that's like the autocross you know special uh if you want to know anything about anybody who makes a 200 treadwear tire which there's actually some on this list i didn't know about this is the guide for you uh they talk about you know your yokohama advan AO52s, those are kind of the ultimate autocross tire right now those things look pretty neat that's uh that's an it's an aggressive lack of tread i should say right yeah it's a very (laughs) it's very slick uh i ran those on the fiesta a couple years ago they are really good but they're like insanely expensive
1: and you said you didn't get as much life out of these as you did out of the falcons right
0: no the falcons lasted way longer okay um but yeah of course they talk about the rt660s uh list the re71s we can go on and on this list is actually i'm um, scrolling through it on our new uh podcast setup here and yeah you can chris you can see there's there's a ton of tires there are a lot of tires like uh like these ones Volino vr08gp i've never heard of that brand never heard of that brand before but i guess that's actually supposed to be a pretty damn good tire
1: it looks like it's it's got
0: barely anything that is basically a slick right so and i'm sure they're pretty cheap but they also go into uh your in 100 treadwear tires which are wow. your like legit race tires and these aren't eligible for a lot of the autocrosses right because right there's
1: too much grip
0: yeah so and they're like they're dot certified technically but uh, a lot of the autocross and just most people limit it to 200 treadwear just because that's more affordable these 100 treadwear tires are going to run you a lot more money. These are more meant for, like, race teams and stuff like that. Um, but hmm. there's a bunch of options here, too. And they're going to burn out a lot more quickly,
1: too. Yeah, that, too. Uh, those Toyo Proxies, the uh, is that the R888? Uh, these ones? Yeah, well, there's the Proxies RA1. What's one down? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah,
0: R888 R's. Yeah,
1: and those, those were the ones that kind of made this segment popular with everybody.
0: Um, well, these are 100 treadwear now.
1: The, the Toyo Proxies. Yeah. I just remember when these came out, Super Street featured these really heavily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, then everybody wanted to run them on the car
0: for a yep. while. Oh, I remember back in the day, uh, these Toyo Proxies RA1s, uh, this was like back in like 2005. These were the tires to have if you were autocrossing. Okay. Like this was like the shit. And amazingly, they just keep updating them. It's still the same tread design. They keep updating the uh, tread compound and they still exist. This is like one of the longest running tires I can think of.
1: That is neat. And it's cool that they're still updating it because they could easily just keep that the same and release a new
0: model and charge more for it. Right. Um, I really want Toyo to get in harder on the 200 Treadwear game. Uh, I don't even know if they have one right now. I haven't seen one from Toyo let's see is there oh i guess the r1r technically is okay uh so but this is more right of a clear. more of a wet weather tire you can see how the, the grooves are on this tire more got yeah. that, that v shape for evacuating water
1: yeah yeah uh
0: because auto, a lot of autocross people will still run in in the rain you know the events still go on yeah, I mean we've we've been to a couple events where there was standing water on the track, <laughs> right? So, uh, if you're super hardcore, you have a different set of wet racing tires <laughs> than your dry racing tires. But well, let me check the weather before I pack my tires today, right? I am not that hardcore though. <laughs> uh, also, once again though, that's why I like the R triple or not R triple eights, the RT six sixties. There's too many tires. My brain is getting them all. They actually do well in the rain though, right? Yeah, they actually do really well.
1: Yeah, and I was not expecting that. No. When I put these on my car, I'm like, oh, it's raining. I'm not going to have any grip. Right. But I've driven through, you know, what you could consider in Colorado is a
0: monsoon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, standing water on the road. And, you know, it's not like they're fantastic grip in that kind of condition, but no, and, it's not unsafe.
0: Yeah. And, you know, standing water, you're going to hydroplane sooner than like, a, you know, all season tire or something like yeah. that but it takes quite a bit of standing water
1: yeah yeah i mean i've got all seasons on the 240 and yeah in wet weather it definitely outgrips my brz yeah but in dry weather the there's advantage no there's yeah no none at all yeah. yeah it's wild
0: the people uh i've had some some younger people approach me about getting into this stuff or even older people but just seems to be younger guys trying to get into here and they're like you know uh they're on a budget for tires and they're looking at you know like some 300 and 80 treadwear like uh Firestones okay. or something like that yeah and they're like oh what about these tires i'm like oh, those are probably okay tires yeah they will they're they're round they're black <laughs> they they're rubber like they're tires they'll hold air for one yeah but if you come out here yeah you're it's a whole different playing ground it really is when i took the 240 on the all seasons auto crossing it the
1: lack of grip was laughable yeah um you know the front end was breaking loose if you looked at it the wrong way right <laughs> uh, but those falcons it was it was wild especially watching you go through the chicago box on uh on my falcons yeah it just kind of twitched
0: yeah and, just like
1: and just went around and barely lost any speed um which that would have been a breaking
0: turn in an all-season tire yes I mean that also has some that just shows how well the chassis setup on the BRZ is, where it's just it takes it. I always heard in the reviews that you can just like drive that car with your brain. Like yeah, you you don't or like not 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 with your brain. How would I put that? It's just like you don't even have to think. Is right. what Right, it, it kind of responds to your instinct. You don't. Yeah, have to exactly. Think, you don't have to plan it out. Yeah, yeah I did that backwards. <laughs> um, but. And that's true. Uh, Just like, I want to go around this corner. Oh, I'm around that corner.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's awesome like that. Like, I have to think if I want to slide it. Exactly. But even some, but once you're in the slide, it's still
0: crazy intuitive. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that chassis is great. But yeah, no, these tires are awesome. Like I've said many times, I'm a big fan of the Falcon RT 660. But if you want any other option, go check out Grassroots Motorsports track tire buying guide. Uh, There will be a link. From now on, uh, I'm going to be doing some show notes and posting it in an article on religionofspeed.com. So for better access to the show notes. Awesome. uh, There will be a link to that in the description of the show that you are listening to right now. Or just go to religionofspeed.com. You'll find it on there. Uh, And that'll have a link to this if you don't want to do some Googling. But Google will find it too. Yeah. No. Tons of options out there. I do like to see how there's like three main tread designs. There's the AO52 design, which is, like, you're slick with a bunch of little, like...
1: Yeah, little divots just to prove
0: that it is a, a DOT tire. <laughs> right. And then the, the Nankang one is very similar. Yeah, it is. And that uh, other one that we said we didn't hear about before the volino is also very similar
1: yes it is yeah it's just it's it's odd i don't even know what those things are designed to where they're designed to channel
0: the water (laughs) right yeah i don't really understand what the the point of the a lot of that stuff is but then if you look at the other tread design we have is the old re-71 design with your main thick center rib and a bunch of like kind of Vs coming off of it. Right. And then the RT-660, which is yep. a kind of a copy of that. And then the Continental's like that as well. Yep. And the Continental and the Dunlop. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like there's just even the... Oh, and the Hankook. The Hankook is very similar too. Yeah. The Maxis. Like there's just... It's getting to the point now where I can tell a lot of these things are designed by computers. You know, they're right. doing computer modeling and stuff like that. And it's not so much that people are copying designs. It's just like we're figuring out what really, really works. And it's like the physics
1: shows this works. The computer is going to design it in a way that works. Exactly. And it has to be at least, you know, 20% different from the next design so you don't get sued. Right. (laughs) Which is how Roto Wheels makes their money.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's very true. They're just different enough. Um, But, you know, it's kind of like it's approaching the, the same thing as like a wing design. You know, if yeah. you're design, designing a wing, molten airfoil, you design an airfoil a certain way. Yeah. There's some certain there are like little differences you can do to change how much downforce to drag there is. Yeah. But there's only certain amount of variance there.
1: And you can change like with an airplane wing, you can change the the way the the stability of the plane by changing the shape of the wing. Yeah. But those designs you know not really set in stone those designs there's only a few basic designs if you want your plane to handle like this it's gonna hand it needs to be shaped like that
0: right and at the end of the day it still has to be an airfoil yep you yeah. know so that's kind of what we're seeing with tires uh we're getting to the point now where it's like you're gonna see variances on these designs but it's gonna be a design yeah so that's just it's just interesting to notice that it's really easy to see in this guide
1: i remember when we when we talked about that hundred fifty thousand dollar two two 22b that sold on bring a trailer. Mm-hmm. We thought it had Falcons on it. Yeah, but it had
0: Dunlops on. <laughs> yeah, it. we're like, oh shit. <laughs> yep, it's just hard to tell. Uh Those Nankings Kings look really aggressive. Those right. Yeah, they're just they're basically slicks with some some grooves cut in them just to just to be compliant.
1: Which is funny because I heard Nanking King actually got their start making Chinese forklift tires. Oh really? Yeah. And now they're making really aggressive race
0: tires. Yeah, there's there's brands out there making tires, and I've noticed that uh i wonder if there's a guide somewhere out there for rally tires oh that would be cool like an off-road guide yeah yeah because like gravel rally tires a lot of the big players in that game are actually there's like one that's in india okay like an indian uh tire company okay that a lot of guys run those tires you have to get them imported and stuff like wow i wonder if that's what they're running in wrc um i don't know what they're running in wrc well don't those have like michelin branding on a lot of the tires or something does michelin sponsor wrc i'm not sure it's been a while since i watched wrc yeah i'm being honest that'd be interesting because but uh, i think they have uh, a big sponsor but like for amateur side i think there's a lot of like small companies out there making race tires which Mm
1: -hmm. makes sense because your average joke i mean i can't afford michelins to go out and destroy (laughs) right you know they're great tires but i can't you know it's like all right well let's buy another set of michelins this season (laughs) yeah no that's not happening the Falcons uh, are actually pretty reasonable considering the amount of grip you get.
0: Yeah. That, that's another thing I like about them is just how the price to performance ratio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. you, you get a lot of grip um, and they're dailyable. Right. Like you can, you can spend a year driving
0: around and still go to the track and use them. Now, a lot of people might argue with you there about heat cycling your tires. And that is true. You heat cycle the tires too much, which is just like, you know, as you drive, the yeah. tire gets warm and cools down. That's considered a heat cycle. And a lot of these race tires aren't designed to do too many heat cycles. The rubber will get harder as you go. Okay. Um, but I will say, I drove on the Falcons for a, a two whole seasons.
1: Yeah. And, and they still worked. And you dailyed them when you weren't using your snow tires, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they, they held up to heat cycling very well. I'm sure they would have been a little grippier if I just kept them just as track tires. Yeah. But... You know, we're, we're on a budget here
1: at right. uh, Religion of Speed, so... I mean, it would be awesome to have one dedicated set of wheels for every set of
0: tires you it, want to put on your car. It'd be awesome to have a dedicated race car, but you know, some of us can't do that, yep. so... We're not all
1: gears and gasoline guys.
0: No, not yet. <laughs> uh, so, moving on from this, uh, we talked about that a little longer than I wanted, and uh, speaking of tires, I just thought this was cool, and I don't know if we're ever going to see this in the racing world or not, but uh, for your passenger cars... You may have seen Michelin's airless tire design going around the internet for like the past, what they say in this article, 16 yeah, they've years? they've been
1: working on this thing for 16 <laughs> years. <Yeah. laughs>
0: um, but it's finally getting to the point where by 2024, G- GM is planning to release cars with these tires as an option
1: which I think that's really neat because yeah I've I've seen these these ribbed airless tire designs for a long time mm-hmm. um, been waiting for them to hit the market.
0: Yeah, it kind of it kind of seemed like one of those it's like the Tesla Cybertruck just will never come. Yeah. It's yeah. like, <laughs> "Oh,
1: look, a cool picture and that's it." It's gone. Yeah. Um, I knew that they were experimenting with the uh, the military for a while building off-road tires yep. and it was really cool to see um, the ribs kind of collapse so that they could rock crawl, yeah, but it could still hold its shape when it, you know, had even pressure, yeah, um, which I thought was really neat. Um, and obviously, most Americans don't think about their tires. Most no. people, it's just something that they don't want to have to deal with paying an expensive premium to replace. Yeah,
0: um, which is why
1: I've sold so many Geo Drive tires.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that is something I was kind of thinking about with these. Is not only do these, are these tires probably going to be expensive because they're new technology? They also require special wheels.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So, the, you, have, you have a, a proprietary mm-hmm. setup going on here.
0: So, how many cars are going to be optioned with this? Yeah. They're going to get worn out and somebody's going to throw some steelies with cheap tires on it and throw these in the scrap.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what happens if you curb your special wheel? Right. I can only imagine how much these things cost.
0: Oh. And... Where are you going to take it to get these replaced? So, like, probably just the GM dealer. That's a valid point. Nobody else is probably going to have equipment for this. Yeah.
1: What does the tire mounting machine look like
0: for this? Right? I'm very curious. Like, because it almost has to be bonded to the wheel, it looks like. Hmm. I'm not not sure how this works exactly. You know, we have an image up here on screen of the tire on a wheel, but not separated so i don't i i don't know how this would be serviced at all
1: well, and it's clearly a uh, a different style of wheel which it looks a lot more like a stock wheel on this mini cooper
0: yeah so it is funny that the article right under this picture of a mini cooper with these tires talks about michelin teaming up with gm <laughs> but uh yeah it's, yeah those look almost like stock mini wheels yeah
1: they do which makes me wonder can you modify an existing wheel to work for these
0: yeah I don't, i'm not Not sure. I know in the article it said it takes a proprietary wheel. And it also
1: said they'd be heavier, which this is obviously, you know, adding weight to the outside diameter of your wheel is obviously one of the worst places to add weight. Mm -hmm. Um, So hopefully this won't affect fuel economy numbers too much. (laughs) True. Yeah. Hopefully balancing the
0: tire is still doable. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of questions as to how this will actually work in the real world. Yeah. But, but it's a neat idea. It's a very neat idea. I mean, this pretty much eliminates flat tires.
1: Yeah. I love, they said you can puncture the tread to drain water from the interior of the tire.
0: Oh, really? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that in that article. And that's
1: part of a procedure, which is pretty insane because that'd be so counterintuitive. Like, oh yeah, you've got, just put a nail in your
0: tire. Yeah, it's fine. Don't just, worry about it. Just pull it back out. It's fine. But Uh, I guess kind of going back to what you're saying about fuel economy, these are heavier. Yeah. But like the reason we have TPMS lights and sensors right now is because one of the biggest detractors to fuel economy is low tire pressure. That makes sense. You know, it takes more rolling resistance to get that tire to roll. Yeah. And this, you don't have to worry about tire pressure. Yeah. Like it's it's just, it's good.
1: It's a uniform rigidity all the time. Which, you know, some people like to let a little air out of their tires for certain purposes.
0: True. But, I mean, this is more just for mass market stuff. Yeah.
1: Just for people who buy their SUVs and crossovers and just want a tire.
0: That right. Works. So, uh, I had the thought in my head, and I brought up the Cybertruck just recently, or just a second ago, but I guess that was just on my mind because I thought about the Cybertruck as it looks with these wheels and tires on it. Yeah. And just how futuristic and non-car like that combination is with these
1: tires yeah that would be pretty interesting which makes me think i mean you could make like a uh kind of chevy suv a plain jane vanilla GM SUV, look like a
0: future car right it, it like you put these on a vehicle and it, it's almost like when back to the future where they took like regular cars and put like weird shit on them to make them look like they were futuristic <laughs> some of those body kits look ridiculous no, they were <laughs> ridiculous but i feel like that's actually the future we're somehow going to
1: yeah that, that'll be kind of funny to see um i'd like to see these tires on on just kind of a boring sgv see what it looks like right you know? and uh it'd be funny to see uh little punk kids putting playing cards and stuff inside these little tire ribs
0: Oh, God, I didn't even think about like you could just like shove some dirt. What What is dirt going to do to these wheels? Yeah, because it like, looks like it would just suck it right in. Right. And then get unbalanced
1: and stuff. And does this need to be open like that? Or is that just to show us the technology? Could they close out that sidewall?
0: True. Put a covering over top of it.
1: Yeah. Huh. Just because you're right. What if that gets packed full of mud? Right. Or
0: dirt? You drive through the
1: wrong puddle. Yeah. Yeah, because I imagine yeah, having or, rocks in one section of your tire would throw
0: the wheel balance off quite a bit. Or packed with snow. Oh, packed with snow. That's yeah. another variable. Just throwing the balance way off. Yeah. So, see, this is the kind of stuff, and this is probably why it took 16 years to even get <laughs> it to this point, because I'm sure Michelin's you know, a little bit smarter than a couple dudes making a podcast. They probably <laughs> thought about this shit.
1: <laughs> they thought
0: this through. <laughs> At least I would hope so. Um, but, yeah, and I'm curious to see if we'll ever... If this catches on and if we'll ever see this as a high performance design.
1: Yeah, that's because if they do, then we're going to see like inky RPF1s designed for these tires. Yeah. We'll see the aftermarket kind of pick it up. Right. Um,
0: and also, what does this tire do under heavy loads? Like we know, you know, we run a lot of camber. Yeah. Because as you turn, the rubber deforms and gets you the better contact patch. Yeah. Do these deform like that or do you run zero camber on them? Yeah, if they're that rigid. Right.
1: That would be interesting. Would you have to redesign the suspension to work correctly with these on a high performance
0: view? Yeah, there's, this raises a lot of questions. This is literally reinventing the wheel. <laughs> Michelin has reinvented the wheel. <laughs> Quite literally. So we'll see. Apparently by 2024, we'll see this on some GM cars and maybe some of our questions will be answered then.
1: I, I'm sure that there'll be something that gets forgotten and there'll be something that these GM vehicles are known for some sort of failure right that they blame on the tires
0: yeah probably
1: which is you know maybe just don't buy a gm around 2024 or don't get the option until a
0: few people have worked the bugs out or you know just if you're if you do get the option realize you're an early adopter (laughs) and there's going to be some bugs yeah there's going to be some issues uh all right gotta keep going so let's talk about of all things a truck uh
1: you got to tow your race car to the track somehow
0: exactly so i always like talking about these new trucks because you know eventually we're going to be towing with these things uh not right now, because this is a brand new 2022 Toyota Tundra we're talking about. So that's probably right. like a $60,000, $70,000 freaking truck. But... Yeah,
1: 100000 with dealer markup in Colorado. <laughs> yeah,
0: probably. <laughs> uh, especially with the chip shortage, if that keeps going on, which oh, we're going to get to a little bit later in the show. Um, but yeah, brand new 2022 Tundra first uh, has been revealed. Uh, it's on the same platform as the new Land Cruiser.
1: Oh, okay. The the card that, you know, uh, they had to make a special rule about to not resell to uh, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder uh, if the Tundra is going to be subject to that same restriction. I, I don't know. Does Do they... Do they like Tundras over there? I would imagine they would because it's it's a a, more utilitarian version of that.
1: It's a 4x4 Toyota. It's still still
0: bulletproof. Not literally bulletproof. (laughs) No, not literally. (laughs) Al-Qaeda, if you're listening, it's not actually bulletproof. Wait, why are we giving them tips? (laughs) (laughs) No, they're totally bulletproof. (laughs) Buy them up. Uh, Anyways, uh, the interesting thing about it being on that platform is that it shares the suspension design with it. And that means no more leaf springs in the rear. We have coil spring rear suspension. In the back of a truck. So Dodge has been doing that. Dodge was the first one to adopt uh, coil spring rear suspension in okay. their 1500 series. So the
1: current base model Ram has, mm-hmm. has McPherson in the rear.
0: Uh, well, it's not McPherson. Okay. McPherson struts a special design. Okay. Uh, it's still separate shocks and springs. Okay. But okay. it's a, a coil spring instead of a leaf spring, basically. So, so
1: they can still run it on a solid axle setup. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay. Um, you know, and it, it's not that uncommon for coil springs to be in a solid axle you know a lot of your old uh like your hachirokus your you know our old rx7s your fbs and stuff like that you know those were coil spring uh but the reason trucks had not adopted coil spring or suspensions is because leaf springs could handle more load and they've recently figured out how to make coil springs that can still ride okay and handle the load
1: See that's cool. So these th- this thing's gonna have it's gonna ride kind of like
0: a Lexus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna exactly. It'll ride more like the SUV versions. That that's neat.
1: Um, hopefully the it it doesn't compromise on the load at all. But it's Toyota, so I know they've done their research.
0: Yeah, I didn't see in this article in this one a load capacity or towing capacity. But I'm sure it's on par, if not better, than the outgoing uh, Tundra. They wouldn't they're not going to make a truck that tows less because that's what people buy trucks for. Right, and, right. Especially the Tundra. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Prepared to pull um, 12,000 pounds. Okay. And 11.50 or 11.5 for the hybrid. And that's the other thing. You can get this as a hybrid now.
1: Which that's cool because there's a lot of people looking at the Ford Lightning. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people looking at the uh, the new electric Hummer. Um, but you know, Toyota doesn't want to compromise the reliability. They don't want to be the first people in that, in that pool. Yeah. So this way they can kind of have their cake
0: and eat it too. Yeah. And, uh, I was talking a while back about how Toyota really started the hybrid game and the electrification game, but they've kind of fallen behind.
1: Yeah. In all of their technology, really.
0: Yeah. They kind of rode on their laurels for a while which you know why not if yeah it ain't broke don't fix it type people thing. still bought toyotas unlike chrysler where it is broke don't <laughs> they still don't fix it um it i'm just right. on this like yeah in the back of my head i'm on this chrysler bashing thing i've worked on too many chryslers last week <laughs> those jeeps man not good for your health uh, the jeeps the dodges i worked on a durango and i was just like who buys these things <laughs> such garbage when they're so expensive yeah that anyways um yeah so it's a twin turbo v6 okay and no more v8 options but the twin turbo v6 plus the hybrid makes something along the lines of like 500 foot pounds of torque
1: okay and honestly that seems
0: conservative considering there's an electric motor in the mix right yeah four so 437 horsepower and 583 foot pounds of torque so almost 600 yeah that's that's freaking ridiculous yeah, that's a lot of torque what okay i haven't looked it up but like What would you think the first-gen Tundra with, like, that 4.6 V8, I think it was? First-gen, when did it come out? Oh, that was, like, the Tundra. That was, like, late 90s, early 2000s, I think.
1: Oh, so I'm thinking it. It probably had it somewhere in the 200s.
0: Yeah, I'd say a 230 probably and 300 foot-pounds of torque be my guess. Yeah. You know, and now we're up to 437 horsepower and almost 600 foot-pounds of torque. The
1: escalation of power has been pretty dramatic Yeah, in everything, but um, it's kind of cool because in a truck, you're actually going to use all that torque.
0: True. And especially when it's paired up to the 10-speed automatic like you have the gear ratios to just like stay right in that torque band it's, yeah it's gonna be like twelve thousand pounds is no joke
1: you know listen to that thing shift quite often yeah
0: that too <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fucking semi-truck <laughs> um but yeah and the trd pro only going to be available in the hybrid you can get just the regular twin turbo v6 and the other models
1: just the plain old twin turbo v6
0: yeah darn <laughs> um but yeah it, it looks like it's going to be quite Quite a bruiser honestly. I mean
1: and it looks aggressive as hell. I mean that styling is uh they're definitely making a statement with that.
0: Right? yeah the i do like on the trd pro it has it it just integrated in a light bar into the grill so
1: that's not for the concept that's actually no that's the that's production the truck model. model
0: yeah wow that that's the trd pro that's the production model which
1: is hilarious because that's what everyone put
0: on there exactly on i love dec- how the oh Toyota's is just like i don't know everybody's adding these fucking stupid light bars <laughs> let's just do it from the factory we'll just have everyone be blind yeah right out of the gate that's my question that i was thinking about with this light bar because people just leave them running all the time yeah and going down the road blinding you yeah if you have a car like ours that's right at our rearview mirror level right so is the national highway traffic safety administration like gonna put limitations on this because there are certain rules as to what lights can be on and what they're aiming at and all that good stuff yeah
1: and their their heights and everything yeah honestly i i'm Predicting that the states are going to take the reins on this one, yeah, right out of the gate. But yeah, maybe federal federal wheels turn slowly, but very true. That does seem like something that we might see, you know, in five to ten years. <laughs> yeah, at a federal level, I could see Colorado doing it next year,
0: right? <laughs> Just like no, you can't run your stupid light bars on the street. Yeah, it's like look, hook that up to your uh, parking brake or don't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Or, I mean, they're meant for off roading though, so it'd be hard to like you know regulate that it, ha- it almost has to be on a switch separately when
1: well, you know that anyone who does that is going to bypass it
0: that too yeah should, i mean it's just a light
1: yeah you know at the end of the day it's 12 volts and ground yeah. that's all it is so i mean you could even if you were lazy about it you could just put your parking brake on one click and drive around with it like that right
0: uh well actually you can't because that is one thing i noticed about this truck, and I don't know if I can find the picture right now, it is electronic parking brake on this.
1: Oh, okay, so it's an on-off switch. hmm Okay.
0: And at, at some point, I'm going to go into a big rant on why electronic parking brakes are stupid and useless and nobody asked for them and they're solving no problems. <laughs> but... <laughs> I guess there's my rant. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean that that's valid. That's right.
0: that's every issue I have with the electric parking brake. Yeah. Who asked for
1: this? Nobody. Who said it's really hard to pull this lever up a bunch of clicks? Yeah. Like nobody asked for that. It was never a problem. No. It was it was a mechanical system that actually
0: functioned well. And Is it, y- like, I was thinking of what, what the argument would be like, okay, there's an argument out there that the cables would corrode and seize and stuff like that. Yeah. But you're telling me those little electric motors that are just sitting out in the salt and stuff in certain states going down the road aren't yeah. going to seize up as well. And what happens if it seizes up closed? Yeah. Then, then, yeah. I mean, we've, I've seen that on early Land Rovers uh, that they, they don't have, so modern ones have little motors on the calipers okay. to actuate. The old Land Rovers had a big old motor and then cables going down to it. So, the old Land Rovers didn't even solve the cable problem. No, no, they didn't (laughs) (laughs) at all. (laughs) They added a motor to the existing mechanical, like, let's just have all the flaws. Yeah, but then that motor would seize with the brakes on, so you had to go under there and cut the cables. Just to drive your Land Rover. Just to drive the Land Rover, yeah. Wow. So, it's like you're actually adding more complexity and more cost when things break. Right. It's just... Which Land Rover can get away with that. True. But your Honda Civic doesn't fucking need it. No, it doesn't. Actually, that was actually a reason I bought the Fiesta ST over a uh, 1.5 turbo Civic. Really? Because it had, that has an electronic parking brake. I don't want that. I, I, don't... I want a lever
1: parking brake. I did not even... I did not know that the newer Civics have electronic parking brakes. They know their market too. Right. They gone. should know better than that. How how am I supposed to be a hooligan in your car? Yeah, how am
0: I supposed to put Taco Bell trays under my rear wheel <laughs> and slide around a parking lot? Right. Room? My thing is for winter drifting. You got to be able to actuate that rear brake. Yeah, you got to cut down on understeer somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, electronic parking brakes, I hate them, but it's It's going to happen. Much like how these giant touchscreen infotainment things are going to be a thing now. It's just how it is. It's the cheap way to do it. Which I remember talking about this when we
1: worked together at Aspen. Yeah. You you and Chris explained it to me really well. You were like, well, you know, it's cheaper than making a bunch of buttons. It is. And it is. But your quality of life suffers. It does. Um, I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, um, what Subaru did with the 2020 Outback. Mm -hmm. They... You know, they have a new infotainment system that they were test piloting on the Outback and the Legacy. Um, Everything else had buttons and knobs. Yeah. The primary buyers of Outbacks are elderly people. Right. And they don't want to have to navigate a touchscreen menu and hit three buttons if you know where to press every time to turn your heated seat off. Right. (laughs) It doesn't make sense when you could just have a switch. And I get it, like I said, from a manufacturing standpoint, but... They they just kind of alienated their market, right? And when I was selling Subarus, I watched these people like, oh, I want an Outback. They'd get in, they'd see the touchscreen, they're like, oh, I think I want a Cross Tracker or a Forester mm-hmm. because they didn't have that that issue. And it's sad to see that happening. You know, when cars are completely self drivable, sure,
0: yeah, because then you can just you can. T- look at the screen and figure out where you need to go and shit like that. Right.
1: right. Because even if you have haptic feedback on a touchscreen, it's not as intuitive. It's not. I can turn my radio up and down. I can change my climate control settings. I can turn my heated seats on and off without le- my eyes leaving the road. Yeah. And that's, it's a safety issue at that point when you add that giant touchscreen.
0: Yep. But that's just, that's the way everything is going. Even, um, and I, I could maybe sort through all these photos again, but, uh, I did notice the gauge cluster is also just a screen. Like the gauge cluster is a screen, which isn't that's at, o- that's okay. I guess I, I guess I don't know. There's there's something I've noticed about driving where you can glance down at mechanical gauges, and yeah. for whatever reason, your eyes don't have to like change their vision as much. Uh, there's something about going to a screen. Oh, like focusing on the real world and then focusing on a, on a digital Yeah, display. or it takes more time to transition. It's a, it's a very minor thing. Interesting. But I have noticed that like it takes you a second to like grasp what's on the screen on like a mechanical gauge. Maybe yeah. that's just me and my old eyes. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I do
0: miss mechanical
1: gauges. Um, yeah. And, and for me, maybe it is just a nostalgic thing. Yeah. But, um, if you're going to put a screen, I'd rather it be there. Right. Than, than replacing your entire infotainment system, which and it looks like this thing actually has some buttons to control climate control and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, it looks like climate control at least isn't, but uh, there's no volume knob, but I do see steering wheel controls, a lot of steering wheel controls, honestly. There's, what, one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, eight buttons on the left side. And that's just the left spoke. Yeah, <laughs> there's another eight yeah. on the right. But um, the Batmobile didn't have that many buttons. <laughs> right. So, I don't know, they're putting a lot of technology in this uh i did want to make a couple observations about the underhood real quick because i was looking at all these pictures uh we have a dual intake system okay which means you got your dual MAFs, much like how nissan did with their later vq engines okay. or the vr engines and i did notice there's two uh coolant caps here so i think we're going to be water to air intercoolers on this for your twin turbo system that's neat so you,
1: you think you'd have to add water to the system
0: well it's I mean it's a closed system still. Okay. You know, it's not with sprayers. It's the Oh okay. Okay. You know, instead of you running an air to air intercooler where it's just a big intercooler out front pushing air against it. Right. You're actually um you basically have a radiator that okay. the air charge goes through and it sucks the heat out through um through the coolant. And then the coolant gets cooled off by a separate cooler.
1: So that is a lot more efficient. That means you can you can make better boost numbers with smaller turbos.
0: Yeah, the thing I've heard about water to air intercoolers is they can get overwhelmed by like continuous use, which is why you don't really see them in race cars a lot. Okay. Because when you're, they can just get heat soaked a lot quicker uh, than an air to air intercooler can.
1: Right, because the the air even even if it gets overwhelmed, it can cool down faster
0: right. than water. But in a street vehicle that I've noticed, like Mercedes does and BMW have been all doing water and air coolers for a long time. Okay, it's something that's you're you know, you're going to get on and then you're going to cruise. Yeah, they can dissipate that heat a lot better. So don't have a heavy foot. Yeah, <laughs> if you're going to be racing your Tundra, maybe upgrade the cooling system. <laughs> um, and then I did notice a couple little uh, just like Easter eggs. Okay. So I feel like Jeep started this with the Easter eggs on the Renegade, where they put like the little Jeep logos on everything, the little Sasquatches. It's like find all the Jeep logos. It's, yeah. Um,
1: what's, what's the name of that that other car reviewer? Um, Doug DeMiro. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like his his thing. He has a little scavenger hunt every time he gets on there. Yeah.
0: And I, I don't know I don't know why this is becoming a thing, but I think it's kinda cool that car manufacturers are including Easter eggs in their vehicles. So on the headlights on the left side there's an outline of the state of Michigan that says R&D and on the right side actually there's one that says as outline of Texas and says uh like manufactured or something.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, cuz they're manufactured in San San Antonio.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm like, "Oh, you know, that that's just that's kind of cool. I I like that little kind of stuff." Yeah, that's neat.
1: Then, you know, if it's uh, it's the kind of thing that keeps cars interesting, which, right? In, in a world where they're becoming more and more uniform,
0: yeah, you got to add something to keep them, yeah. you know, different. It's uh, like uh, Pokemon cards, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Did, <laughs> Did you a get the graphic Tundra? <laughs> <laughs> you, you just wait. We're gonna be like, you're gonna be like ordering a uh, a truck and get like a card pack, and that's like your options that you get. So that would be really it's funny. like a, a gotcha uh, like truck delivery system you don't know what you're gonna get you <laughs> might get the base model you might get the trd pro you don't know until you open it yeah. there's gonna be like people on uh twitch like streaming buying vehicles and seeing if it's they like, get the good ones like or we're not. unboxing my tundra guys <laughs> <laughs> oh this is the future we're heading towards <laughs> uh speaking of the future the gtr r35 gtr continues to live on into the future even though it's getting quite old, yeah, long in the tooth at this, this point. This thing is—what? How old is this car now? About about fifteen years old now. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I think this thing originally came out when I was graduating high school. So, about that time. Anyway, 06, 07. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's yeah. This thing is is getting old, but you know, it. Everybody still loves it. Yeah. And it's gotten more and more expensive, but so is everything else. So <laughs> True,
0: but it's, it's also gotten more and more like, high-end and fast. So That's true. More power, more features. Yep. And the newest, greatest... I, I, actually, I don't know. From reading this, I think it's like the middle tier. The Nismo, I guess, is the greatest. But this is like the track model, I guess. The GTR-T spec is the, the vehicle okay. that got revealed. Uh, carbon fiber or carbon ceramic front brakes... Some wider front fenders for some wider tires, little carbon bits. I don't know. It's it's a good looking car. I I love the little updates they've done to the GTR over yeah. time. Have really I think made it just still look modern, even though it's 15 years old, and just keep it relevant. Yeah. Um. Which which is cool because
1: it it, it does deserve relevance. Mm-hmm. Um. You know this thing is awesome. The engines are hand built. Um. And now, which we were talking about before the podcast, I'm interested to see how much uh, crossover there is um, being able to take GTR parts and the new Z parts since they're both VR series twin turbo V6s Yeah, and see, you know, how much, you know, could you put that manual transmission from the Z in this thing? I think you were saying that's pretty possible. Yeah. Um Could you just take some GTR turbos? How many man- would the manifolds
0: bolt right up? Like, yeah, that would be really cool. Um Right. And I love that idea because that's going back to, the early Nissan that I know and love. Right. Uh, parts interchangeability. Yeah.
1: Every Nissan from the 90s, you can take parts and bolt them to another Nissan from the 90s. Yeah. It, it's it's awesome like that. And that's why they're so fun to upgrade. Right. Because there's a the whole parts bin full of budget OEM upgrades. Mm-hmm. You don't
0: have to go big money. And then while those are getting harder and harder to find as the cars get older, you know, it's still just nice to be able to put, you know, Z32 brakes on your 240SX. Yeah. Have a nice four-pot brake caliper yeah you know? and it's in without having to spend money on StopTech or brimbos right so who knows maybe we'll see some people in the future putting some gtr parts on their on their z's uh one thing i do think is interesting about this one is well no i guess the the, the gtr has always been a 3.8 liter right the r35
1: yeah okay yeah
0: for some odd reason i was saying it was a 3.6 liter but never mind that takes that whole thing out of the equation i was like they upped the displacement but no they didn't never mind Um, but one thing I do want to see though, is they're bringing back midnight purple for this version, which this car is going to look really good in purple. It's going to look so good in midnight purple because the,
1: you know, the, I I, personally, I would rather have an R34 over an R35 just personally, but from a body lines perspective, there's a lot more going on on the R35.
0: It's true. So that color shift is going to be. you're gonna get more different colors in the light and stuff
1: yeah Yeah. this thing in purple would look amazing i mean honestly this shade of green i I really like this green
0: right i've never seen this green on a gtr before but it's it's like it's a very muted like what what color would you call that i mean it's not quite forest because there's not quite enough green to it
1: yeah Uh, like a mossy green yeah yeah kind of like but but like you were saying muted yeah yeah it's um I think it looks good on this car, and I think that this color would look boring on a lot of cars, Mm -hmm. but the GTR is aggressive enough.
0: I really love when people take, like, supercars your Lambos and stuff like that and put very muted colors on them. Yeah. Like, it just, it changes the whole look of the car. Like, don't get me wrong, if I ever get to the point where I own a McLaren or a Lambo, it's going to be bright orange. Right. Well, you love orange. I love orange, and I feel like that car can do it. Yeah. You know? But there is something about like a old man tan Lamborghini. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. you're just like, okay. I saw a picture of a white four five eight Italia. Just Ooh. basic white. Yeah. And it looked great. Right? Yeah, there's just there's something about that. But I don't know. I'm never gonna be able to afford those cars. So unfortunately, I won't ever have my chance to Make that decision if I want a boring color or an exciting color. One of these days I want to buy a uh, an F430 with a blown transmission because their
1: transmissions, the clutches would go out yeah. really frequently. And then I want to take it to European Auto Group in Texas and have them do a turnkey manual swap because yeah. they warranty it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, what are you telling me about that? Yeah.
1: And that would be awesome because the F430, you know, its transmission is the weakest point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're actually kind of solid cars from what I understand.
1: Yeah, as long as you just sort that clutch issue out.
0: Did you see the pictures of that guy driving that classic Ferrari around like Alaska and shit? No. It was all It was a Ferrari 308. Oh, wow, okay. That's Was that Magnum PI's Ferrari? It might have been Um I think it was a 308. Oh, yeah, there we go. There it is. Yeah, he's got like a so it's a ferrari 308 i'm pretty sure it's a 308 uh on some like off-roady tires a roof rack strapped to the back hatch <laughs> some fog lights and it's just covered in mud this this thing made this rounds around the internet for a while so you may have seen it this is the most low-res picture i've ever seen in my life was this taken on a potato <laughs> But <laughs> looks like it was Jesus. This is like a, this is like a digital camera from 2002. Oh my God! But that would have been so cool. Like just to drive a Ferrari in those conditions, right? Know? So yeah, if you own a supercar, use it. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't leave it in a garage.
1: Yeah, let it run. That's yeah. the one thing they always said on Top Gear. It's like it's great. Ferraris are awesome, but every time you want to drive it, the battery's dead because you don't drive it, right?
0: So, anyways, if you want your uh, limited edition uh GTR I don't think they're making many. They're only making a 100 in that midnight purple, so you better get your order slips in. Yeah. And uh first can what 215,000 if you want the Nismo model. Yeah. Uh do you think since we're, you know, a grassroots podcast, I want to bring this back to the fact that most of the people listening to this don't have the money to buy these kinds of cars? Do you think including myself, I'm not just insulting the audience <laughs> like I don't have the money. I don't have the money to buy. It. <laughs> um do you think the R35 will ever become affordable? What are the used prices? Because I know that they've been coming down. they you can get a high mileage one for like 55 to 60. Okay, so they're still a little high. That's yeah. still kind of like used Aston Martin money. Right. Um I've, I've seen a lot of Jaguar F-types, the new F-types, going yeah. for like 40. Oh, and okay. I'm like, that is a gorgeous car for 40 grand. <laughs> they look amazing. And I love that they engineered that little exhaust
1: burble pop, right. You know, and before everybody
0: was doing it. Yeah, it's true. But, but even then, I don't even know if the GTR will ever come down to that price point.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to hold its value for a while. Um, you know, I wrote an article recently for our website about how 90s JDMs and, you know, that kind of raises the prices on some of these more popular newer ones. Yes. Um, are, are on their way up. Um so it is possible that the GTR might kind of hit a floor.
0: Yeah. Um I
1: just hope Nissan cranks out enough of them because I think that's what it ultimately comes down to are production numbers.
0: Yeah, the uh you know limited supply Yeah. Or like a false limited supply, I should say. Yeah, yeah. fault, Yeah, because Because they could make more. They could. You know. Um, But, but,
1: you know, it maybe doesn't make economic sense. Excuse me. It maybe doesn't make economic sense for them to continue to do that, to to produce so many that their price comes down in the used market.
0: Yeah. So I'm actually going to jump ahead a little bit here because that ironically ties into uh, what I wanted to talk about, about the chip shortage. So I dove down this big rabbit hole this morning about... How the chip shortage is still going on? Yeah, and part of the reason for that, and I didn't really think about this, is while production is ramping back up on computer chips for your cell phones and your computer parts and your you know your refrigerator now because it has a fucking computer chip yeah. in it, um, everybody has swapped over to. So when you're making computer chips, the big thing they they look for is your the nanometer size of your transistors. Okay. The smaller you can make a transistor, the more you can pack into a silicon chip and the more processing power it has. Okay. So right now, I believe, if I remember correctly without looking this up, like modern CPUs and stuff are down to like 15 nanometers.
1: Okay, and these are, these are commercially available CPUs? Yeah, Okay. this is
0: your, your typical computer CPU. Okay. I believe they're 15 uh, uh, nanometers. But cars are still relying on a lot of old tech. It doesn't really take all that much processing power, honestly, to run a car. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
1: the whole ECU of a car, you know, I downloaded the one from my WRX.
0: It was like 300 kilobytes. Yeah. For the, the ROM. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredibly simple. And even the processor is old school and it's simple. And there's a few reasons for doing that. One is just because it, it's known technology and it works. And when you're making cars, yeah. you want to make sure it just works. Yeah. You want reliability. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but they're still using chips that are in the 45 to 90 nanometer range. Wow. Yeah, these are like Super Nintendo chips, you know? <laughs> like, so we're
1: talking three to six times larger than what you find in a typical computer.
0: Yeah, and quite frankly, most of the... There's only a few places that manufacture chips in the world. I think we talked about this last time. Uh, there's only a few big companies that will, like, press the chips or forge the chips, I think they call them. Okay. Um, and... Their all their dyes and stuff like that. Their manufacturing processes are set up for these new 15 millimeter chips or nanometer. So they'd have to reset their dyes in order to produce the automotive chips. Yeah. So the chip manufacturers are actually pushing back on the automotive industry right now, telling them, hey, like you want us to ramp up. You need to upgrade your your shit. Yeah. Like we're, we don't want to build these things because then in like 10 years or like five years, we're going to not. Need this anymore? So why are we going to invest in this infrastructure? Right. You know, and it's not in the long run. It's going to cost us money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why. Why would they upgrade their ability to manufacture something that's obsolete?
0: Right. Exactly. So there's kind of some pushback coming, and that's going to lead to even more delays in chip production, just because there's nobody that really wants to make them, and that. Because I'm keep going down this uh, <laughs> rabbit hole is leading some manufacturers they're going to start making their own chips. So interesting. Mercedes-Benz is kind of toying with the idea right now of not using suppliers from uh, Asia and actually manufacturing them in Germany. It feels like that would really up their costs, but right now they can't get chips so it's kind of like yeah it might up the costs but we could actually be producing models yeah you got to be able to make cars in order to make money so that's fair um oh shit i didn't really want to close well no i can close and
1: mercedes could do things like you know they they always like to use their s-class as the test bed for their new technology because it's ludicrously expensive right so people can pay for all this you know experimentation right and that's
0: why uh used s-class is a terrible purchase <laughs> because a lot of that stuff didn't last very long and is extremely uh, expensive to like yeah you can buy that s430 for like 10 g's but then it needs 30 g's worth of work yeah. and the parts are on international back order yeah, you
1: have to you have to just track those things down right like you're lucky that is what i miss about
0: being at aspen is the, the tracking down the, stuff the challenge yeah so yeah so mercedes is saying like hey we're gonna start making our own chips then Um, because, and this is where we get back to, uh, what brought me here. So even though the auto industry has kind of suffered a little bit, they can't make as many cars. They can't sell as many cars right now because of the chip shortage. They're actually hitting bigger numbers because this artificial scarcity is actually allowing them to up the prices.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I drove back to my Subaru dealership, my old Subaru dealership recently to buy some parts. And I, uh, I talked to a buddy of mine who's still selling cars there. And he said he made $30,000 last month selling cars. Really? Because every single car sold with a $2,000 markup. Yeah. He's like, the dealer markup, I mean, price adjustment.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> price adjust, market yeah. adjustment. Market yeah. adjustment. Yeah.
1: But I watched, I watched you know, new Crosstrex, new Ascents drive by with, with writing in the rear windshield that says demo model only not for sale really you know which which means you know if you offer them enough money they'll, sell they'll it still to it. sell to you yeah everything um, everything's for sale yeah. for the right money yeah exactly but um yeah the salesmen that are left standing after all this are making bank and the dealerships are posting record numbers because mm-hmm. even though you're right their inventory is sparse they're able to sell everything for a markup because there really is no competition it's right like, well you can go
0: somewhere else and pay a markup Right, and that's just also allowing manufacturers to up the MSRP just right from the factory. We haven't seen it much yet. We've only seen dealer markup. Yeah, but this is kind of it's setting a bad precedent of artificial scarcity is good. Yeah, this is the Nintendo approach to things. <laughs> I don't know if you if like Nintendo does this with everything they release, like the Amiibo stuff. This is getting into some weird gaming shit. Yeah, uh, the Amiibo stuff. The retro consoles they made like the the little mini consoles yeah yeah they made those in limited numbers yeah and they did they do this shit on purpose because they know they can charge more for it yeah because there's people that and that artificial scarcity will like do this uh like fomo thing where you're like oh but I need it
1: right you know like if I don't get it now I won't ever be able to get that Zelda Edition game and
0: watch <laughs> right <laughs> you know and I don't want this to like creep into the automotive world too much. Yeah. Which sadly it's it seems like um you know, this will be
1: another example of runaway capitalism. Right. Um because yeah, it's uh, I was actually really surprised. I was on YouTube the other day and I saw a video that said cheapest sports cars for under eight thousand dollars. Yeah, which I was like, wow, wow, you actually found all these cars for under eight grand.
0: Yeah, they had to do some searching for that video. Right. I, I saw that was the uh, it was the everyday driver, everyday driver. Yeah, yeah,
1: which you know, yeah, there's there's no way you could get an example of every single one of those cars in every
0: state for under eight grand. Right. Yeah, they had a Porsche Boxster in there. And, yeah, and I was like, mm, I know boxers are getting cheap, but yeah. it's still hard to find them but, for less than eight. It's like, well, this one was in a flood. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. There's a uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in the automotive industry. Apparently, uh, BMW says thing uh, look thinks things are going to get worse before they get better. Wow. Uh, okay. BMW pretty much like they came out with one of their you know. Uh, like market talks, where we're talking to investors and stuff, and we're pretty like bummer about the whole thing. They're like they they are not very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for optimistic. Optimistic, thank you. They're not very optimistic about the next uh, few months of auto sales, and uh, they're like they were concerned about. And this this is the kind of rabbit hole shit I get down on the <laughs> internet. They were concerned about a company called Stellantis. Okay, I've heard of Stellantis. I don't know why I haven't heard of Stellantis, because apparently they bought Fiat Chrysler Group. Oh. Yeah. So, let's get to the Stellantis website. We're going we're, uh, quite tangent here. So, is Stellantis an automotive company? I guess they're like French. So, they own now, you know, your Fiat. A bar, oh. a, so, we'll go down yeah. alphabetically. A Barth, Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, Citroen, Dodge, uh, this DS... Automobiles is the that Ding Suong or something, the Chinese company. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Fiat, your Fiat professional, which is your big trucks. Jeep, Lancia, wow. Maserati, Mopar, Opel. Uh, not sure what that is. Peugeot. Oh, that's Peugeot. Yeah. Ram and Vauxhall. They're all over the world. Okay. Vauxhall is the weirdest one on that list for me. Vauxhall was GM.
1: Yeah. That was, didn't they, did they liquidate that in the 08
0: crash? They, they must have. I didn't realize they did. Okay. But,
1: yeah, because I remember the Vauxhall Astra was a Saturn Astra. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, when was... did this happen?
0: And how come I didn't hear about this?
1: Yeah, and I'm interested to know what other things Stellantis does because I've never heard of this this brand as an automotive brand, which makes me think. I think mean, it's just like an investment firm. It's just a, a conglomerate.
0: Yeah, like like uh, the people that own Anheuser Busch, that BVEV or B- okay, yeah, yeah, or whatever it was called. I was blown away by how many beers were under that no. one. Yeah, you know, it's it's just a group that just buys things to make money. Yeah, okay. You know? We have money, so we'll make more money. You know, it must be nice. It's the game of monopoly we were talking yeah. about earlier before yeah. the show. <laughs> Oh man! So that happened apparently. Wow. So now BMW is concerned about this group taking a bigger uh, percentage share of sales. Yeah, which is wild because
1: none of these brands are really a. I guess maybe Chrysler is a direct challenger to BMW, at least in the the you know the market segment they go after. Yeah, um, I don't like luxury. Not, uh,
0: most mostly luxury sedans and some. Sports I mean, parts. I guess. Technically, Chrysler's a competitor, yeah. but in reality, yeah. they're no fucking competitor. Yeah, yeah, not, not. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's cross shopping a 300 C or a Chrysler 300 and a 5 Series, unless you don't care about cars. I guess, and you're
1: like, here's a sedan that's all wheel drive, but I can get an all wheel drive with leather seats. And right That's all you care about, and you're going to lease it anyway. Right, true. Um. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, maybe Maserati a little bit on their sports coupes end. But yeah. yeah. But
0: even then, that that's a small company. I've I see like a Maserati every month or something. You know. Yeah.
1: You. They're they're not that that uh common. Which I am. Well, it's funny to see. I see a lot of women driving around in um secondhand uh Grand Sports and portes. Yeah
0: uh doesn't matter where i make an suv now too i think i've seen the suv around yes but i can't remember what it's called yeah i don't really care yeah because it's an suv yeah it's another one of those stupid luxury high-end suvs that yeah. just sell like crazy right yeah because they're just they're rolling status symbols yeah that's what they are they really are but man i never thought i'd see the day where dodge lancia and Vauxhall are just they're all the same company. Yeah, you've got French, you've got Canadian companies, you've got American,
1: Italian. Yeah. Now I know that um, Ferrari had an interest in Alpha for a while, so I wonder. I guess they're not part of this group anymore.
0: Yeah, I think Ferrari sold off Alpha or something like that back when the Fiat Chrysler Group, you know, merged and everything. Okay. I think that that's I think Ferrari kind of sidestepped that
1: somehow. Okay, because I know the 4C had some Ferrari development in it. Yeah um and but that i think that was in development before that happened yeah, It didn't come that, out until after but
0: yeah cuz i think that was in development before they they got together for sure but yeah just freaking weird didn't know this happened
1: and if stellantis also owns um a company that happens to manufacture chips i would be worried if i were bmw
0: <laughs> right yeah yeah there's this like i don't know what these companies are free to move and le l- leasis leasis
1: Oh, it's an automotive leasing company. Oh, it's like a, a car sharing company. Oh, okay.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, that is interesting.
0: Yeah, well, this free-to-move thing is also... Yeah, this is some sort of like
1: so they're, car they're, rental They're thing. getting in on the car rental apps as well as the manufacturing. Yeah. Which makes sense because this is the Pujo in this ad and it was a Fiat in the other.
0: Yeah. And that makes That actually makes a lot of sense. I think manufacturers are going to have to start going down that route. Yeah. You know, there's... People don't, as people buy less cars, Yeah, you know, how you're either going to have to have a contract deal with a company that does that, or you just do it yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, it, it, they have the infrastructure to be able to do it bigger.
0: Yeah. You know, if
1: not if
0: not better, but
1: bigger. Yeah, definitely least.
0: bigger. <laughs> um,
1: you know, than, you know, a startup like Uber or Lyft was in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, if if GM
0: just, you know, you can,
1: oh, hey, here's a GM app. There's a Chevy Spark on the corner. Go get in it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's going to be like renting one of those uh, little scooters. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Which at least it won't be as obnoxious as those scooters. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> Although, how many of these cars are going to end up in a river?
1: <laughs> Probably more than GM would want.
0: <laughs> more than, than uh, Stellantis would care yeah. for. Yeah. Well, I think two is more than they would want. Yeah. But... <laughs> Oh, man. It's going to be an interesting future we're going towards. Uh, So, I guess, yeah, sure, we'll do this transition. Speaking of the future, Ken Block's future involves Audi now. Hey, you know what? He's been in Rally for a while, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah.
1: You know, the... He we went to European rally, now he's in a European brand. Yep. Um, that's famous for rally.
0: Yeah. Started started with Super, moved to Ford, now with Audi.
1: Yeah, which is it's cool. I mean it's it's amazing the way he's been able to market himself and It's basically amazing that he's fifty-three years
0: old. Is he is, fifty-three now? Yeah, and he's still like managing to market himself as a race car driver. it's amazing how young you can look in DC gear. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> when you dress as a skater your whole life. Um but I guess yeah, I guess speaking of the future, yeah, we'll we'll still roll with that because this little commercial spot that Audi uh, put out, and I think this was on Audi, yeah, this is Audi's YouTube channel, uh, focuses heavily on the electrification of stuff. So they got in the beginning they have their Dakar electric concept, their you know they show some classic Quattro's and footage of Ken Block wa- watching classic ones, but then they show their <laughs> e-tron race cars. You know, they're making a heavy focus on electrification as the future of racing.
1: Which, I mean, you know, it it, it is. Yes.
0: Um, I mean, electrification is the future of everything.
1: Right. And, you know, we still don't have the technology for them to do, you know, the longer endurance racing. Um, but we saw them kicking ass at the sprints on Pikes Peak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, here in the commercial, we, you know, we have Ken Block being picked up in an e-tron GT to be taken to the Audi Sport uh warehouse but i'm sorry that old quattro will just the, the new cars will never look as good as that old square body quattro
1: maybe they'll make a uh, i think we actually saw that somebody recreated yeah. that
0: and that Dakar rally electric thing looks fucking crazy too
1: but welcome to the audi team ken block that's good marketing all around. Right. Well,
0: well done, Audi. Well done, Ken Block. Right. Well done, Monster Energy and DC Shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's the thing, and I think that's why they brought Ken Block on. He's a marketing genius. Yeah. You know, he that's how he made his money. He knows yeah. how to do that.
1: Like, and he's been able to live all of our collective dreams. Because he was able to market himself. Yep. I still remember the Gymkhana one video. I must have watched that so many times. I need to go back and watch that
0: video. that will be like a nostalgia trip at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, just all the slow-mo cuts and everything and Mm -hmm. just watching an STI tear up a warehouse. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: Back when things were simple.
1: Back when that was the craziest thing we could possibly witness. Right.
0: (laughs) So, yeah. Congrats to Ken Block, as always. But I'm curious to see what this means for, I'm curious to see what this means for Audi and their racing teams.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I want to see if they field him in more than just Rally.
0: Right. You know, I'm,
1: I'm guessing whatever discipline he wants to get into, Audi would be willing to support him.
0: Well, it just seems like wherever Ken Block goes, like, with Subaru, you know, you got, like, it brought a lot of kids into, like, this Rally Gymkhana scene. It did. Scene. It did. And then when Ford got involved, you know, how many, like, STs and RSs do you see done up with, like, Monster Energy stuff and, yeah. like, Rally stuff? Um And you don't see a ton of – throughout the country, you don't see a ton of tuned Audis here in Colorado is an exception. Right. We see a ton of them because all-wheel drive. Right. But are we going to see more people – getting into Audis now yeah i mean older b5s4s and stuff like is this going to be good for chris heil and his uh valuation on his b5s4 (laughs) is what i'm curious about i think it will absolutely drive up the price i think where it won't be good for chris heil is
1: there'll be a bunch of kids driving Audis and breaking them right and he'll get the the work to fix it but you know he'll be in there trying to piece together their coolant (laughs) systems
0: and right (laughs) yeah how many just trashed old Audis Are we're going to see like, yeah. you know, on the road. Which, how many cool new Audi hatchbacks are we going to see? True, yeah. You know, we could see a
1: really wicked RS3 yeah. because of Kin Block.
0: Yeah, I I do think this is a brilliant move on Audi's part. You know, people love people love the Block, you know. They <laughs> so, really do. Uh, these guys fans and it's going to draw every, every manufacturer wants to draw younger people to their brand. They do. Because if you can get younger people in early You get that brand loyalty. Yep, you know later in life. So that that's what everybody's trying to do right now. Yeah, get them when they're young, just like the cigarette company. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But and in much well, I guess you say and in much the same way, you know, uh, driving a performance car is kind of like smoking. It's very addicting. It's addicting, and it'll take all your money. It's very true, (laughs) (laughs) and might cost you your uh, years of life. That's true. All (laughs) all of those things. It's very similar to smoking. (laughs) Oh man! All right. So now. With the last little bit of the show, we managed to get through everything pretty quick, which I'm glad for because I think we're going to be on this topic for a little bit. Uh, We got to talk about and trash the EPA some more. Yep. Or Um, even just government agencies because we're going to talk about the U.S. Treasury in a bit too.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's a shame that they're they're coming after people that like to mod their cars because we're easy targets. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, most of us don't have a lot of money. We don't have, you know, billion-dollar lo- billion dollar lobbyists in Washington. I mean, we have SEMA, and they, they try yeah. to look out for us as much as they can. But um,
0: but compared to really big corporate interests,
1: right. we, we got nothing. And the really big corporate interests are the ones putting most of the carbon into the air. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where most of the pollution is coming from. Yes. Granted, and- it's shipping the stuff we're buying, so everybody kind of has a hand in the guilt. But yeah. You know, the the kid who puts his exhaust straight out the hood of his Honda is not the reason that the
0: ice caps are melting. It's really not. Yeah. Even I've been watching more and more stuff. Like, uh, it seems like more and more videos, articles, stuff like that are kind of coming out about this whole, like, how much can we as individuals really do? And the thing is, even if everybody, like, we kind of had that major experiment and people cutting back and, driving and transportation in general and flying and consuming like you know we had the uh pandemic kind of did that right yeah and for sure i'm not gonna say uh skies didn't clear up and stuff yeah but it didn't make hardly a a national scale or global scale it didn't actually change anything
1: yeah i mean because the stuff was still being shipped everybody just went home and started
0: ordering stuff online hold on we're gonna close that window I got my neighbor working on an old, uh, like F one fifty pickup truck across the road or across the way there. And they're just like banging on a piece of metal (laughs) in the background. So I don't want to pick that up. You got to get those rusty bolts off somehow. So the point was like, yeah, like, and that's like, if everybody converted to electric cars or everybody stopped driving, it'd be like a three, three to 5% like reduction in global CO2, That's it. you know? Because you still have to, like, you know, transport via via train or bus. And we still got to transport goods and stuff like that. And that's where a lot of that shit's coming from. So, if everybody stopped driving, there's that small of a percentage. And then consider, we've said this before, the enthusiast market's like a percentage of the consumer car market.
1: Right. Very small percentage.
0: Yeah. That's just like, so, that's, we have said it before, that's why this shit pisses me off. But, so, local... Uh, tuning shop PFI Speed, you probably know them because they do a lot of stuff with Boosted Boys. Yeah, which congratulations to Boosted Boys. I'm so happy those guys blew up because they're they do the craziest shit. And if you haven't watched any of the Boosted Boys stuff, uh, I do suggest it. And PFI Speed has their own YouTube channel, they do a lot of stuff too. So they were hit with a lot of EPA fines, and originally it was going to be a hundred and seventy thousand dollar fine. For selling 37 Honda S300 units. Which is, is ludicrous. Yeah. 37 units. 37 units. Which, you know,
1: these are going to project car people. You know, 10 of them wouldn't have even been installed for a year.
0: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah, probably never be installed. Yeah. Um, but and the thing is, too, the Honda, Honda S300 is an add-on chip for the OBD1 ECUs. This isn't like your modern OBD2 tuning yeah. stuff.
1: So, people can't even do this with a K
0: motor. Right, this right. Is, this is people tuning old school B's and D's here. Yeah, these are old ass cars. Yeah. You know, which probably aren't like, oh, hello, Mochi. You left the door open, didn't you? Well,
1: I, left him, I left him a <laughs> pad for Mochi and he made it in.
0: Yep. Hello. He's like, hi. All right. Well, we got we to gotta deal with a Mochi cat invading. We'll be right back. So, I guess what i was getting at and i looked this up because i'm like okay pfi speed they're a local tuning shop they're they don't make millions you know they're they're just a small shop right Your typical shop heck there's probably repair shops that make more money than them because tuning isn't always the most uh profitable business yeah the, the margins are narrow
1: on a lot of these parts um and you know you have to project the glamorous lifestyle with these kind of shops because right. that's that's what gets your customers in.
0: And, and don't get me wrong. like It is kind of glamorous to run a tuning shop because you get to do fucking cool shit all the time. Yeah. But I, So I don't know exactly how much money PFI Speed makes. I'll start with that. But I do know $170,000 fine is not proportionally... Uh, it's not proportional to how much quote-unquote damage they're doing by selling these units. Right. And I don't even agree that it's doing damage. To prove my point, Dow Chemical... Dow Chemical is a company that's near and dear to my heart, and I say that with a lot of sarcasm, <laughs> because I lived in the Tri-Cities area of Michigan for a while, and Dow Chemical is pretty much right in the center of there, located in Midland, Michigan. Okay. Um, and they've been, they've been dumping pollution into the air and into the Tittabawassee River for, I don't know, since they existed. Like, There's been so many lawsuits against Dow Chemical, people with reproduction issues, people getting cancer. Just like atrocious environmental damage.
1: Anyone who lives near there.
0: Yeah. And everybody knows that. So they paid $2.5 million in fines for just years upon years of violations from the, from the EPA. Now, to give you an uh, idea, they are, a, in the amount of time these violations took place, they made $6.2 billion in profits. And that's just profits. Yeah. So, just I mean, profits. their
1: their sales are probably in the tens to hundreds of billions
0: yeah and so, so the, a
1: 2.5 million dollar fine is largely symbolic
0: yeah it's less than one half of one tenth of one percent
1: yeah so that they they didn't even care that's just a that's, that's just because people have been suing them for so long That's cost they're of they're doing shipped. business yeah
0: that's that's wild you know and they did so much more damage than what all I, I probably all of tuning has done in the last 10 years. You know, and they got a two point five million dollar fine because they have their fucking lawyers and their lobbyists, yeah, and the politicians under their fucking finger. Yeah, and
1: this this goes back to the 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 government kind of targeting the people who can't afford to defend themselves. Yeah, um, you know, we at K Series Parts, we had to stop or we don't sell Honda's mm-hmm. because of this. Right. Um, so we we can't sell them because, and PFI speed is a lot of, is what we point to Right. right. when someone asks. It's like, we can't sell these because the government's fining people for this. Yeah. And Honda hasn't really been great as, uh, at stepping up and supporting their vendors. Um. They, I did,
0: I, we talked about that before the show and I thought about that. Like, I think they kind of have to though, because otherwise they're pretty much admitting that like... You know, they know that this is like illegal and like they're they're pretty much just like if they said, oh, yeah, we have your back. Then that puts all the blame yeah. on them. And as the Honda, you know, you think of them in the automotive community as like a big name. Right. but They're a small company. Yeah. They're probably like what, four or five people. I, I don't I do not know how many people they employ. You yeah. know, but it's not much because, you, you know, they don't make their own chips and stuff. They're just designing that's true. it. So that's true.
1: And uh, so it's a shame because, you know, because they they couldn't assume any liability because they couldn't afford it either. Mm-hmm. Um, all their small shops that sold it, they had to stop too. Right. And um, it's it's just a real shame because, you know, there's a lot of things you need to be able to tune your ECU for, like certain modifications. You need right. to be able to tune your, um, even with some of the newer K-series motors, if you go to a lighter flywheel, you'll throw a transmission code if you don't tune it. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, that's obviously a
0: mod that a lot of people like to do. Right. So I just, I don't really understand why the EPA is like, these are marketed, like, I guarantee those 37 Honda S300s, like, they're going at OBD1 ECUs. Yeah. Those are probably race cars. Yeah. Yeah. At least a few of them are, and right. a lot of
1: them probably aren't even streeted that often. We're talking, right. egs and eks, right? Those those aren't and dc daily,
0: two integras. Yeah, those aren't daily driven cars for the most part anymore. Right. Like those are like fun cars. They're weekend cars. They're project cars. Like, yeah, they'll take for a carve up
1: in the mountains. If even if the person doesn't track it, it's mm-hmm. a build. It's mm-hmm. not you know, your reliable vehicle. Right.
0: Yeah. If, I mean, honestly, if you're modifying the ECU and you want like like this at doing an add-on chip and you want it to be your daily driver, you're probably asking for trouble. Yeah. When <laughs> you've probably got a lot of other mods that will fail you too. Yeah. So luckily, and this is, I say that with quotes, uh, PFI Speed did not get handed that whole $170,000 fine. They settled for $18,000, which is still... That's still a lot of that's profit still,
1: for a little company,
0: right? If you're running a little shop, that's more than you want to uh, want to pay for sure. So, luckily, they settled that, and also luckily, the RPM Act, which we've talked about here on the show before, has been like kind of reintroduced finally into Congress. It has sponsors in Congress. There was a Democrat and a Republican that co-sponsored it. So it's actually a wow. bipartisan bill. Wow. Right? Not a lot of those left these days. <laughs> no, not really. So uh, Senator Richard Burr from North Carolina and John Tester from Montana. Okay. Um, have that have Yeah, have re the bill to the U.S. Senate, and they have a bunch of people on board. And I was talking before about how this doesn't really do... As much as we want it to, it right. doesn't protect people like you and me from tuning our cars. Right. But what this will do is at least not put out of business the people that are making the parts. You know. Yeah. Because simple truth is, like those companies do, rely on everyday people buying their parts.
1: Right. Not just people who take their cars to the track.
0: Yeah. Not just dedicated race race teams because right. there's not enough dedicated race teams out there to make a business. Yeah. So
1: you need you need to be able to sell it to people who are going to drive on the street. Yeah. Which that that is where the RPM Act falls short, but at least it does give us a loophole. Yeah,
0: at least it protects the companies for now.
1: Yes. You yeah. know. And if they still exist, we can still buy their parts.
0: Now, this may lead to buying a lot of parts that aren't EPA compliant that when you do that, you'll probably might have to fill out like a waiver or a form or something like that. Yeah. Pretty much Saying like I am only using this off road, and that that will take the blame off of the companies if you do choose to use those parts on the road.
1: Yeah, which you know it was it should always have been at uh, the end user, right? Like that's that's why for so long this was okay because sites like Injuku would put you know only for off road use right. on on these parts, and if you put them, it said that on my coilovers yeah. on the car that I drove here, right? Um, you know. And that way they don't have to put up with DOT or federal transportation restrictions. Yeah. Um, but that's where it always should have been. Because if you were modifying your car, you knew, the, you knew that risk. And I'm not saying you deserve to have your car impounded. Right. I'm saying the company that sold you those parts doesn't deserve to pay fines. Exactly. Um, it's It should always be on the end user. Um, because individual liberty is part of the reason that we're able to do this. Right. That's like... What, what more is more
0: American than that? I mean, exactly. <laughs> like,
1: it's like, hey, that's illegal. Well, I'm going to do it anyway. It's like,
0: well, more power to you. All right. Well, then you know the consequences, right. you know, if you're willing to deal with those consequences, then that's your prerogative. Yeah, absolutely. So um, and
1: it, it's not on the
0: company that sold you those parts. Yeah. So I've kind of come come back around to the RPM Act and just the fact that it protects, protects the companies and stuff like that is very important
1: it's better than nothing it's
0: better it's way better than nothing yeah you know and and that'll allow people like Honda to keep doing their thing and maybe being able to like you know help out these tuning company or tuning shops and stuff that sell their parts and like put this disclaimer on it right if you sell under
1: this disclaimer we will back you
0: yeah and like i said before like it's just this is not the the problem like this is this no. is not the problem <laughs>
1: no, this is a this is a symbolic gesture to try to satisfy people who don't understand the problem yeah and that's uh, unfortunately we're caught in the crosshairs of that. Yeah, because we're such a small group, and we're constantly having to explain ourselves to people, so they'll understand why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, like
0: why would you even yeah. want it's to do? Like this. why
1: would you take a, a five hundred dollar car from the nineties and put seven thousand dollars into
0: it, <laughs> and make it run worse, yeah, and make it worth fifteen hundred dollars?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, it, it, it 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 doesn't make sense. None of this stuff like makes sense in the long run, and. Uh before I get yelled at, I do understand that like climate change is one of those things where it's a lot of little things adding up to a big problem. Yes. And so we gotta tackle all those little things. But this is like the littlest crumb. Right. Like you want to clean up your house and you just picked up a pebble that's on your floor.
1: Yeah, and I mean you left the mess all yeah, over the floor.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like, no, where's let's take care of the big things first. Right. And because but, if you focus on the little crumb, the big mess never gets
1: cleaned up. Exactly. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at the, the MR2 is tuned up for drag racing instead of the semi trailer, you know, the semi truck that's going down the road billowing black smoke. Right. Then you're, you're not, you're missing the issue yeah. and the issue won't get solved.
0: Or, you know, the entire, the fact that, uh, household electric use is you know, responsible for a larger percentage of greenhouse gases than the entire transportation sector. Because of all our coal-fired power plants. Exactly. And that's still where most of of America gets their power. And yet we want to convert
1: more cars to electric. Yep. Which will run off coal. Right. Ultimately, we are making a bunch
0: of coal-burning Teslas. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, you know, there are ways to get the green energy, but we don't have the infrastructure for that in this country yet.
0: And there are ways to make coal a lot, quote-unquote, greener than it is but nobody does that because it costs too much money
1: yeah well then then it becomes more uh it becomes too costly to produce
0: the electricity mm-hmm. i mean that's why we're losing a coal plant here in, Mich- or in michigan and in colorado i don't know why i thought i was in michigan there for a second because because kayla wants you to move there yeah that's very true <laughs> <laughs> um which i will say at least michigan has n- literally zero they do not give a shit about what you do there as far as like modifying your car yeah there's no emissions cool. there uh
1: i know tennessee um certain counties had emissions. Yeah. Um, my home county of Hamilton voted to end it. Oh, really? So, um, I, and it was one of those delayed go into effect laws. So I think it's probably still uh, a couple of years away from you not having to pass emissions there. Yeah. But yeah, most of that state is, uh, it doesn't require it. Yeah. Um, which is funny because you can make all the federal emissions laws you want. So you're blue in the face, you can make federal right. laws. But if the individual counties don't test then it amounts to nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't even really agree with testing all that much because um, most like we're actually we're kind of approaching a time now where a lot of cars on the road are old, but that's a that goes back to their chip shortage and just like cost of new cars and stuff like that. But even then, like uh, most of the cars I get in to the shop that have failed emissions are considerably old. Okay. Or have like a major issue wrong with them. But it's a pretty small percentage. Most people, I'm I'm, going to throw it a random number there. I'm guessing probably 75% of people that go through emissions just pass. Yeah. Like, and it's just all that is is a hassle at that point. Yeah. It's just a way so
1: they can charge you some money.
0: Right. And put
1: one more barrier in front of registering your car.
0: Yeah. And honestly, yeah, just charge you more money. And honestly, a lot of the cars that do fail emissions have some sort of drivability issue that the customer would would want to take care of anyways. So I just, I don't see testing really helping all that much. Yeah. You know, there's not that many cars out there that are just like so out of compliance.
1: Yeah. Well, and and that's, that's what I thought that's, you know, that was kind of my point is like, if there's, if there is no testing, then what's the point of your state adopting carb? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, it's like Colorado adopted carb, but if you live in Colorado Springs, you could have driven to Kansas and gotten a cheaper cat. Right. Got it installed. Nobody would ever know.
0: Right. So, like, I agree with putting stricter limitations on the production of cars. Like, cars should be uh, being made to produce less emissions, you know? Newer cars. Yeah, exactly. Right. But once again, like, there's this whole idea of your carbon footprint and your individual, like, uh, you know, contribution to global warming. Right. You know, that was uh, an ad campaign from BP or Exxon.
1: I did not know that. But yeah. That's hilarious.
0: Yeah. They're trying to push the blame off of themselves. Right. It's like it's on the individual. Yeah, onto the individual. It's like we're
1: drilling for oil, but you're buying the oil, so yeah. it's your fault.
0: It's kind of like it's kind of weird because we're talking about individual liberties with like end user and right. u- end user's problem, you know. But then it's kind of the opposite on this side because you ke- the end user can't do anything right. about that.
1: All you can do you could buy less gas, but that's yeah. all you could really do, right? You know, you could start biking to work, which some people do. Yeah, um, but that's all you could really do. Yeah,
0: so this whole idea of your your carbon footprint was just for just a way for them to like guilt people into feeling bad about like their tiny contribution while they're just like literally setting the fucking ocean on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's funny because people buy Teslas wanting to reduce their individual carbon footprint, but the cost to produce that Tesla is never going to be mitigated by the you know. Sixty thousand miles they drive the car right it's um you know if you just like you said uh, like we've said time and time again it's like if you just buy an old corolla you know that's already been around that we're already we've already absorbed the cost of the production for that car the carbon cost yeah and then you just keep it running yeah then you're gonna have a much lower carbon footprint than somebody who bought a new tesla or a new hybrid Yep. And, you know, we had to mine all those precious metals to produce the battery that's only going to last for so many cycles <laughs> yep. and and then can't be replaced.
0: Yeah, there's
1: that, that.
0: Yeah, that that just gets back to my problem with this mostly is just that it's not actually going to fix the problem. Yeah. It's, it, it's going to punish a lot of people and not actually fix the problem.
1: Yep. There's a lot of people who love to do this on the weekends mm. and this is, this is what gets them through their week. You know, they're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and the world won't be any cleaner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to like, and the, well, I guess I should go back the idea of your carbon footprint does, it does hold a little bit because it's a, the global warming is kind of a systemic thing. Oh my God. I can't say stis. systemic yeah thank you <laughs> i'll just have you say that every time um whereas like there's just every, everything everything humans do right. is bad for the environment yeah just us, living, us existing living yeah. is bad for the environment yeah. so like if you want to make the biggest difference you know cut back on eating meat which is probably going to piss off a bunch of people to eat, uh, listening to this podcast yeah, and i love meat yeah so do i yeah i'm just saying come i'm just saying cut back Instead yeah. of just having two steaks for dinner, have a <laughs> steak and a salad. There it's probably go. better for your digestive health anyway, Much bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't care what Joe Rogan says about the carnivore diet. Um, <laughs> you know, you want to do that, you can – we can uh, change how your house uses electricity, you know, uh, yeah. with how you um, – what's what I'm looking for?
1: How you heat and cool your house. Heat and
0: cool system, thank you.
1: Yeah, how you insulate exactly having
0: double-paned windows stuff like that but e- even then even if you do everything right it's still not going to make a huge difference but everybody has to do a tiny tiny bit yeah
1: everybody has to 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 make a collective effort but even then mm-hmm. there are gigantic corporate polluters right that could make a one decision at a high level that you know would ultimately cost them a lot of money but would save the planet or at least you know mitigate the damage being done mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, the plain and simple truth is we need to convert our electric grid to solar and electric, or solar and uh, wind. Wind and geothermal. And geothermal. I, Jesus Christ, light. Yeah. The more I read about geothermal, I'm like, why are we not doing this? Right. We've got an infinite amount of energy just inside the earth. Right. And we're yeah. just not tapping into it. You Too know? many people watch the movie The Core. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, we don't want to do that. Yeah. That's, that looks terrible. We don't want to send down, uh, uh, what was his name?
1: Uh, Aaron Eckhart.
0: Um the guy who played Morpheus was in that movie.
1: No, no, it wasn't, it wasn't him. It well, wasn't? Well, no, you're right. It was Lawrence Fishburne.
0: Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, and then there was some. Yeah, know, we, we don't want to send our token black eye outside to die. Yeah, into the impeller housing. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that movie was such a. 2000s token black guy role where yeah. for whatever reason all those movies in that gen- that yeah. era. The black guy always died first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think Scary Movie made a joke about that.
1: Yeah, they did. yeah, yeah like, was, If Scary Movie makes a joke, which is hilarious
0: because they make fun of shit that's already making fun of shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like behind the times. They're like... You know, yeah. if they're making a joke about it, everybody already knows about it. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of
1: people think of Scream itself as a spoof of horror movies. Yeah, it's it's kind of a parody of horror movies. Yeah. And then Scary Movie was a parody of that parody. So just full on camp. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so but the point is, we don't want to send Lawrence Fishburne down to the core of the earth to die to, to restart n- our cult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of it. I don't think that was Lawrence Fishburne who died in that movie. No. I think it was a different actor, and I can't remember his name.
0: I mean, it has been about 15 years since I watched that movie, yeah, so. The I, yeah. I, I may be misremembering Which things. Which you're not. You're not missing
1: anything. It's not the kind of movie you have to watch more
0: than. It. No, it's really not. We still need to do our uh, movie pod movie podcast. We do. We yeah. Do
1: just just pick a, an eighty a forgotten eighties movie.
0: Yeah, I think we can ex- expand that though into like nineties and early two thousand. There's a yeah. lot of stupid campy movies still. There were a lot of them. Yeah. There were a lot of horrible movies. We were just talking the other day about the, uh, at the shop about the movie Armageddon. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's another one of those movies where. It, in retrospect it's pretty corny yeah and and it came out it was there were two meteor movies that came out that year yeah there was yeah
1: deep impact which yeah. was even worse than armageddon
0: yeah we we uh th- we're getting way off track but i need to bring this up cuz i just can't let this go there's a weird thing that happens in hollywood where like two movies will come out close to each other that are really similar that are the same concept like there was uh uh there were two volcano movies that came out
1: Oh, yeah, in the 90s. One yeah. of them was just called Volcano.
0: Yeah, I think so. But then the other one, what the fuck was that? Uh, Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's like this like weird trend of like...
1: Yeah, Paul Blart Mall Cop and Observe and Report came out at the same time. Wow,
0: neither of those needed to exist.
1: No, neither one. <laughs> <laughs> and I had high hopes for Observe and Report. I thought it was going to be some like really dark, cynical thing with Seth Rogen. And it was dark and cynical, but just to the point where it made you depressed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that, that's kind of opposite spectrums, but still similar theme. Anyways, point is back to global warming, uh, <laughs> back to this depressing thing we're living Man, in. We didn't mention Mad Max this time. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, the point is that it looks like all of your signatures that, you know, RPM Mac going around getting all those signatures and all that kind of stuff actually did something. All that pass us around on Facebook stuff actually seems to have done something. Which is always cool, you know? Right. It's, it's like a victory for the underdogs. Yeah, it's good, it's good to see. And I mean, it's not over yet and it's not actually like pushed through yet, but it has sponsors, it's in there, it has bipartisan support that it's doing better than 90% of the bills that ever get introduced. That's true. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah this might just be, this might pass just because it's the only bill that Congress can agree on. True, That that's very true. They always like want to pass some easy bipartisan right. bill. Just to prove that they can cooperate. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe this is the one they just like shoehorn yeah. in somewhere the just R- to be yeah. like, fine, whatever.
1: The RPM Act will pass, no, we are not going to tax the rich.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one step at a time, you know, <laughs> one step at a time. Um So we've trashed the EPA for a while and how they're just being stupid and going after the wrong people because, you know, they they have people in their pockets. Right now, let's trash the U.S. Treasury and them and their stupid twenty five year import rule.
1: Yeah, and you know it it's wild because this twenty five year import rule creates an economic boom for certain car models every year. Right, you know it, it's like oh well now this year model is is legal to bring in, so you know R thirty three shot up. Yeah. Which was hilarious because it was everybody's least
0: favorite skyline. For a long time. And now I was so excited when the R33 was getting legal because I'm like, okay, that's everybody's least favorite one. Right. I like them. It's not, I like R34s and R32s better, I feel like. Right. But I mean, it's just like, it's very, it's just it's yeah. just below. You can settle for an R34. Yeah, that's fine. Especially because yeah. I was like, oh, these will be cheap. Right. Perfect. But they're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> you still pay thirty to forty thousand
1: dollars for an R thirty three GTR. Yeah. And that's how much you'd pay for an R thirty two. Yeah. And I don't even want to know what the R thirty fours are gonna cost when they're finally legal to bring in. Uh, they're gonna be over a hundred
0: grand, I guarantee and, it.
1: And it's and it's horrible, you know? I mean I bet even an R thirty four GTS T
0: gonna be like that. Yeah, the probably rear wheel drive one going to be 50 60k r33 gtsts are going for like 30 40 which is ludicrous yeah. this car has like 220 horsepower from <laughs> right <the magnitude. laughs> it's, it's I, I i also kind of thought that when uh gtrs finally got here like a lot of kids would buy them up like yeah i got godzilla and then right. they drive it and be disappointed right because right. they're like oh man my dad's c5 is faster than and then they go buy an sti yeah exactly yeah because i understand what these cars are
1: right it's not what it is it's what the potential is yeah it's a cast iron block with two <laughs> turbos and ITBs right it can handle a ton of horsepower
0: and even then i don't care that it's not the fastest car around anymore right. it's n- it's nostalgia for me
1: right you're pulling up in paul walker's hero car oh, right you know um you know i i've been anxiously awaiting the S15 to <laughs> be um you know to to get into this year mark which i think we're still
0: 3 years away from yeah we're still um, waiting so it was
1: 99 to 02 um but, you know, those are going to be ludicrously expensive because even S-chassis are crazy high. Yeah. Um, and it sucks because there are a lot of great JDM cars that a lot of people want to buy, and now they're investments.
0: Yeah. And it's when very a, true. When a
1: car becomes an investment, the people who truly love it are the ones who miss out. Yeah. Because if you want to use the car, you're not buying it as an investment. No. You're buying that car knowing full well there's a good chance it'll end up backwards in a tree. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of these cars are, are just going to end up as showpieces.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I want an S15 to beat on. Right. And, uh, you know, I've even decided I'm probably going to buy one of those instead of a new Z. Just because the new Z is going to plummet in value immediately and the S15 is going to go up.
0: Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. You're, you're, you're buying an appreciating asset instead of right. a depreciating asset and even
1: though i'm not buying it as an investment i could buy it drive it and still sell it yeah um i could really the it comes down to i could justify it to my wife yeah like <laughs> it's like babe this is gonna go up right that's gonna go down well, so i want to buy
0: this i'm gonna make money this is how this you know come on this is like investing in stocks exactly yeah but not <laughs> but more fun you can't drive a stock right so the reason I bring this up is because recently there was, and you probably saw this going around the internet, dear viewer, listener, you not viewing this. Not yet. Not yet. We may be doing some viewing, but that's a subject for another day. Um, there was a whole bunch of cars seized by the U.S. Treasury that didn't meet that 25-year rule. Pretty much people trying to bring in R34s, your uh, Stagias, S15s, the cars that don't qualify for that 25-year rule, they were trying to kind of sneak them into the country. Yeah. And... The uh, government agencies found this out, seized them, and now they're putting them up for auction. Only catch is, because they're not legal in the U.S., you have to prove that if you buy these, you are getting them out of the country. So this is a really steep requirement. It's a weird requirement, especially because all these cars are in these pictures torn apart. Yeah. Like, they are not ready to go cars. All the drivetrains are out of them. And you mentioned that maybe because they were trying to, like, skirt around the law or something. Yeah, that,
1: that may, because um, after the Motorex scandal, some people tried to bring in R34s as kit cars. Yeah. They bring in the chassis they bring in the drivetrain and they put it together registered as a kit car.
0: Yeah. But I guess this just brought up into my mind just how stupid all of this is. They're treating these cars like they're some sort of dangerous material.
1: They are. They're treating them like they're
0: radioactive. Yeah. When really they just don't have glass that's up to DOT spec. I mean, not even that. They're just like they they just weren't crash tested here. We don't have data for them. Yeah. So these are dangerous vehicles. Not the we sell them in every other part of the world. Right, but they're not
1: good enough for
0: America. But yeah, no, they're dangerous yeah. things. So like we're we're protecting our citizens from these dangerous cars that everybody else in the world uses. Right. Because the Japanese are just known for making shit cars. Oh yeah, so. because
1: of course they yeah they make they make stuff that's unreliable and unsafe. Yeah, 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 and and that that's what's what's wild is like, you know, it's not like these are a bunch of cars from China that actually like void U.S. copyright. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? right.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're not just like a carbon copy of a Hummer or something.
1: Exactly. You know this this S chassis that S fifteen is an an evolution of a model that was in the U.S. right proudly for a decade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And now it's like, oh, well, you can't have the last year because it wasn't crash-tested here.
0: Yeah. I mean, the R32 was even crash-tested here thanks to Motorex. True, but then there, it, there was a whole scandal on Motorex, uh, all sorts of bullshit going on there. They pretty yeah. much ruined the GTR market in America for a long time. Probably uh, still. To be probably close. still. So, it, yeah, and this just goes back to my cynical nature of the reason the 25-year rule exists, the reason you can't just buy a car in England brand new and right. bring it over here is to protect the American companies. Yeah,
1: that's that's all lobbying. Yeah. Because after World War II, GIs were buying Mercedes mm-hmm. in Germany because where it's a domestic car and it's cheap. Yeah. And then we're bringing them over here. Yeah. Because it's cheaper to do that than buy a Mercedes here.
0: It's cheaper to do that than buy a freaking Chevy at the time. Wow, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, well, maybe not. But like, you know, the point was, it was cutting into the American car brand's car sales. Right. And they didn't like that. So... It, the U.S. loves to be like, we're a free market. Right. Free market economics, <laughs> except we're not free market at all. If you've made enough money in our free market, you qualify for immunity from the free market. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll make laws to protect you from the free market. Exactly. And that that's where these importation rules came in. Yeah. Is the big three were sad because they were losing money uh, to the sales of Cars from other countries because they were fucking better at the time. And cheaper. And cheaper. Yeah. And people were bringing them over here. And they're like, but but we don't want to make a better product. We uh-huh. want to just force people to buy our product.
1: Right. We want to give them the only option. Yeah. Yeah. A captive market. Exactly. Um, Which, you know, everyone loses there except the big three automakers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all, every American loses because they can't purchase stuff all over the world. Right.
0: You know, um, it's a shame. Uh, And it's like, like, I get it. I wish cars of quality were built here and we could have those jobs here, manufacturing those cars and doing all that stuff. The point was, at the time, the cars being made in Detroit were absolute trash when these laws were put into place. They were garbage.
1: They lasted like two years.
0: Yeah. And instead of making a good product, they forced the government to give them an advantage. Yeah. Which...
1: Again, every American lost.
0: Yeah. Because we,
1: we could have a billion, you know, old Mercedes, BMWs, and Porsches, German spec mm-hmm. rolling around here.
0: We could have all the JDM cars we ever wanted. We could. You know? We so, could. So now we live in this world where we have this stupid 25-year rule. Right. It has and, to be a classic. Yeah, it has to be a classic. And then they're like, okay, now you can have them. Because they know the only people that are buying cars, importing cars that are 25 years old, aren't the type of people that are going to go out and probably buy a new car anyways. Right you know they they're looking for something very specific old collector disregard what i said earlier about buying an S15 instead of a new Z <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs>
1: um
0: but yeah it's just like i, I don't know but it's just it's such a ridiculous fucking bullshit it
1: is it is and it's it's um yeah it it, it makes the entire market worse mhm um you know, we we could be buying, you know, I think there's actually an issue getting trucks into Canada for that same reason. Is there? Yeah. Um, I don't know the whole story there, but it's it's kind of the government overreaching in places where they don't need to. Yeah. Um, because when economics and government are in bed together, it never really pans out well for right. those who aren't on top. Um, it's uh, it, it just sucks for everyone
0: involved. Yep. Because I could have had that stage wagon. You could. I could have been driving that car right now. Yeah. You could be sliding around in a turbo wagon. Uh, I love Stagia's, especially when they have the R34 front end conversion on them. That one we saw at the Nissan meet was. Dude, it's so good. That was <laughs> so cool. Like, <laughs> want a Skyline, but you have kids? Yeah. Want a Skyline, but you want to haul some bikes and, you know, yeah. have a daily driver? Like, haul some tires go. around? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, yes, I do. Yeah, it's really
1: cool. And I mean, and even stuff like. um like the bmw coupes that i love yeah the z3 z4 m and the 1m coupe Mm -hmm. which you know arguably are three of the best m cars ever made um we got crazy low production numbers of those in the u.s yeah um but there's multiples of those available
0: overseas yeah you have to wait till they're 25 years old to bring them in that me and my stupid toyota yaris gr right i could have just bought one of those but
1: now you have to wait until 2045 yeah which, at which point we might not have gasoline. Right. Yeah, we, might, <laughs> we might not even be able to
0: put fuel in it. Right. Oh, man. The future is grim. <laughs> the past was bullshit. And we're just living in this weird, like, mundane fucking existence. Well, a, a boring dystopia is what I've heard it called. A boring dystopia. Yeah. I like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because it's not like there's, you know, you can't go out and shoot zombies to blow off your steam.
0: Right. We're not living in the exciting Mad Max universe. We hinted right. to that just a second ago. Right. You know? you'll, you'll get pulled over if you try to drive like you're in Mad Max. <laughs> right. You'll probably get pulled over for driving a Mad Max car because that's against the law. That's true. He's like, there's no doors on this thing and a bunch of melted doll heads on it. <laughs> there's spikes on this car, sir. <laughs> yeah but what about what about pedestrians well you know they'll just get them they'll get impaled i don't know what to tell you they should be driving yeah (laughs) clearly they're clearly not going
1: to try to steal my gas
0: (laughs) uh i guess that that's the point of where like i I understand there's some things like you know you want to kind of have you have to have laws because some people are going to be assholes and take it too far right but the fact is that s15 is in a radioactive time bomb that we need to protect the country from.
1: Yeah, we didn't have to rip the whole front end off that S15, guys. Right. Like we could have left it just fine, which it, I mean, uh, this lot did sell for uh, a reasonable sum. So somebody did get a lot of very usable parts at an affordable price.
0: Yeah, so there were 20 cars in the lot it's and like
1: seven S15s.
0: And it went for $146,000. Yeah, which I mean, seven SR20s They'd say bring a premium before race wars. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pull a premium. (laughs) Uh, So somebody in Canada, I'm sure, got an amazing deal on a bunch of cars. Yeah, they did. Because in Canada, you can have all those. They only have a 15-year rule.
1: This is why we need a religion of speed compound in Canada. Uh, This is true. I didn't even
0: know Canada had a rule at all. So it's 15 years there. Yeah, Canada makes a little less sense because, like, they never had manufacturing abilities. So I don't even know why they would give a shit probably because of American influence yeah probably Canada gets a lot of American influence yeah which if you haven't been paying attention to Canadian politics they're getting some bad influence from America right now are they yeah they got their own little problems going on up there but that's a <laughs> that's for a different podcast uh, but surprisingly Chris we managed to in inov- a decent amount of time This is gonna be a slightly long podcast but we got through everything we wanted we to talk about all
1: of our topics
0: yeah i didn't actually yeah. expect that to happen but uh and we, we had
1: a lot of stuff to
0: cover we did we didn't get to my uh I I came up with a talking point in case we ran out of uh, news of uh, 3D printed car bodies. I wanted to talk about that, but maybe that'll be next podcast. That's cool. It'll still be relevant. Exactly. So if you want to hear us talk about that, be sure to uh, hit subscribe on whatever podcast catcher you're listening to this on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts. um, You will listen to it. I listen
1: to it on uh, Radio Public. Radio Public, Which is cool. It kind of doesn't, you don't have to set up an account or anything. You can just kind of log in and search.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, we're, we're pretty much wherever you find podcasts, we exist, which that is thanks to Anchor, which you probably hear a ad break in there, somewhere in there. We didn't actually do an official ad break, but I'll sneak it in there somewhere. <laughs> um, and if you want to read any of the articles, any of the sources that I pulled up for this podcast, you can go to religionofspeed.com and find the show notes on that. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at religionofspeed.co. You can also read our articles at our website, religionofspeed.com. almost forgot about that.
1: Yeah, you've got a bunch of articles up there. And I've just got my new one about, uh, actually, it talks a lot about the uh, elevated prices of imports, Yep, partially due to that 25-year
0: rule. Yeah, so uh, we'll be adding more stuff to that website as we go. Um, and be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. And I think that's all the self-promotion we have to do here. Uh, we get out of here though, because we have a opening party to go to yeah at k-series parts grand
1: opening of k-series parts in denver is uh happening today if you're listening to this it's probably too late it probably is um, but we hope we saw you there now we're doing a two-step contest limbo contest uh it's uh it's gonna be fun uh hopefully we get a big turnout um we actually have hurt's car from hoonigan yeah uh, k-swapped s13 with and they have dan's car there too in dan's car yeah, yeah. i don't know much about his build i, I know that uh hurt has the uh TF works the Toge factory kit.
0: Yeah. Um for the k swap, which is something I'm looking into now. Yeah, that, uh, that's uh I love the case k- or case swaps or rear wheel drive k swaps are becoming a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean the, the K series is a great motor. Honda just builds the best NA4 cylinders in the world. It's true. And It'd then be- when you add a
0: turbo to them, they're even better. Right. Yeah. If you add a turbo <laughs> to them, you can get some serious power numbers. So so we're going to go there. Um, I also, real quick, before we go, I want to thank everybody that started listening to the show. Our numbers are up a little bit. So welcome to all their, our new listeners. I hope you enjoyed. Hello, and, new heretics. Uh, <laughs> yes, new heretics. And if you can, keep spreading the word. You know, we'll see where that leads us to in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll we'll get some stuff up on the
1: YouTube channel um, yeah. in the near future. Try to do some regular video posting. I'd like to do that.
0: Yeah. The, the more views we get, the easier it gets to make stuff. That's oh, yeah. how that works. But that's going to be it. I want to thank the band Wheels for the use of our theme song. Uh, Colors. Colors off the album. Traveler. Thank you. (laughs) You can find them at wheelstheband.bandcamp.com. And peace out.